Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 through 17 is where we're going to be. Becky read that earlier today. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles provided in the seats here for you. And so go ahead and uh, grab one of those and flip on over there. We'll put it on the screen as well. Uh, Also, uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, happy Valentine's Day. That one is my gift to you. And take that one home, those paperback Bibles. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17, we'll land there uh, in just a little while. But uh, while you're turning there, let me just say, one of the coolest things for me about being a pastor is just all the moments. You know, there's so many cool moments that I get to share uh, with you guys in. And, uh, you know, I get to do weddings. I did several uh, this summer. Get to baptize people up here. Get to do it over at, we did it at Malibu Beach in, in Dorchester. Uh, and then also because we have so many people who are having babies and getting ready to have babies, uh, one thing I get to frequently do is go to the hospital and uh, just pray over babies and families and, and, and be a part of that. We're just in the midst of a baby boom here at the church, which is pretty cool. It's really, uh, really exciting. And uh, one thing I always hear when I go into the hospitals is something along the lines of while mother or father is holding the baby, something along the lines of, he is the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. I'm like, no, mine is, but that's sorry. I'll pray for you. <laughs> and she is the most precious thing I've ever seen. Oh, I just love this one so much. I couldn't love anybody more than this. And, and I, I love that. I love that. The love of a, of a father and a mother for their, their child is, is really spectacular. And today we're heading, as I said, uh, out west to go skiing. Uh, if you're from the true west, um, we're talking about the Berkshires when we say out west, but we're going skiing in the Berkshires for, for February vacation. And uh, on our way, we're going to stop by Central Mass to hang out with some friends, uh, some friends of ours we're really, really close to. And uh, the, the dad, uh, the, the father, is one of my best friends in the world. His name's Andy. And Andy is, uh, he's a big, big man. He's six foot seven, played professional basketball in Europe, played out uh, here in Boston as well. And uh, just a, a really good guy. Uh, he's like 350 pounds, you know, 6'7", uh, shoe size 16. He's like, I can't be fashionable. I just have to order everything online. It, he hates it. But he's a great guy. And I'll never forget going and visiting Andy in the hospital and his family when they had their, their first son, Elliot. And I remember going in the hospital and, and just watching him hold his, uh, his newborn baby. You know, these hands that are just, you know, like, three times the size of my hands that can easily palm a basketball. And he's holding this baby. And with his big, deep voice, he starts to sing to the baby, which I was like, what? I never, I never even heard the guy sing before. And he's going, do, 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 do. I love you. Yes, I do. I love you so, so much. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is hysterical. But he loves, he loves his, his little baby. And listen, as parents, we kind of sound... We kind of sound ridiculous, you know, with our babies, but we don't care. We just love our, our kids, our little people so much. And, and when Jesus instructed us on how to pray, you remember he said, pray like this, our what? Our Father. We, we're to pray our, our Father. And, and he's, he's our, our Father. He's huge and massive and immaculate. Isaiah 40 says that his hands, like my man Andy, his hands are, are so huge, though, that, that he can hold the waters of the earth, that he can, he can measure the heavens with his, his, his fingers. And, and those same massive hands, the hands of God, he's so huge and, and just uh, majestic and even hard to fully imagine. That, that same God 
is like a father to us. We pray our father. Ephesians chapter 5 says that he loves us like dearly loved children. We're, we're his, his children. So it, it's, it's maybe hard for some of us to, to imagine uh, God as a father because maybe you didn't have a, a really strong uh, example of a father here on, on the earth. But know that God is the perfect father. He loves you perfectly and he is, is, is a great God. And what we're going to see here is that like my man Andy singing over his baby, the, the scriptures say that he sings over us. He, he, he loves us deeply, and he's, he's, he's so overjoyed uh, to be our father. And just the, 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 the picture of God who is so beyond us and so hard to, to fathom, the, the picture of when, when John sees him in Revelation chapter 1, he says, when I see him, I fall down to the ground as though dead. That's, that's him. But at the same time, he's the God who loves us and holds us and cares for us and sings over us and wants a relationship with us. That's our God. And so let's look at Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 through 17, and just get a little bit of a, a picture of this. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. We'll read it yet again. It says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On the day that it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I love, love that picture of our God. That's our God. Notice that it speaks to the fact that that God has taken away the judgments against us, that he has cleared away the judgments. So we have been judged, and rightfully so. We are guilty. We are sinful. God says he removes those. We know how he does that. He does that through Jesus taking on uh, himself on the cross, the payment for our sin. And he takes that, and so it's been cleared away. He's cleared away our, our enemies. Ultimately, our greatest enemy is, is Satan, the accuser over sin. He clears that away. He says, fear not, press on, because God is with you, and he sings over you. He, he saves you, and he holds you, and he sings over you, and he quiets you with his love. Some of you, your parents, and so you, you know the feeling of holding your baby and trying to quiet them down as they're, they're crying and... It's, it's, it's a, a really powerful moment when you finally get them to sleep and, and you say, I had a part of this. And God, this picture of God singing over us and exulting over us and quieting us and loving us so tenderly is a great, great picture. Look then again with me at, at verse 17. I want to I look at it in the NIV translation. We just read from the ESV, but I want to look at it in the NIV. Um, I, I love this. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. You know the song? He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So he doesn't just love you. He, he delights in you. So it's not like, hey, I love you because I have to. Because <laughs> you're my creation. You're here. I should love you. No, I delight in you. I, it's, it's my joy to love you. I love you you and I delight in you. Psalm 147 11 says it says it this way. It says the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. The, 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 the picture of God actually taking pleasure 
in you. Some of you, that's not been your image of God at all, that God actually delights in you, that God actually has pleasure in you. No, he, he takes pleasure in you, but not just you, those who what? Those who fear him. So those who see how massive and, and beyond us he is and, and, and say, okay, he's huge, and you have an appropriate fear or reverence, awe, understanding of who he is, but then you actually let that fear lead you to trust. Like he's the only one who can fully, ultimately take care of me. So to link those passages a little bit that we've kind of walked through already, that we are to see our God as one who takes pleasure in us and delights in us, and we are to fear him. We see him for who he is, all-powerful, massive hands, able to save, mighty to save, and those who fear him, trust in him like a father who cares so well for his child. And so it's God's pleasure, it's God's pleasure to save us. I love that. He's mighty to save, and it's his pleasure to save us, to come to our rescue. And I don't know about you, but I can think of numerous ways in which the Lord has come to my rescue. He's come to my rescue in, in, in numerous ways. And listen, you were trapped in sin, ultimately, and it's God's pleasure to pull you out of sin. That's, that's God. So my dad is a car guy, and uh, he, he has two cars that he just prides himself in. And my mom's tried so hard to get him to sell those cars those cars, but uh, he just can't do it. Any, anybody here a gearhead? Some of you guys are gearheads, you know, a little bit. Uh, so just so you know, he, my dad has a Barracuda and a Charger, and the Charger is the one you would recognize. It's yellow with a black vinyl top, and it's uh, a 1968 Dodge Charger, which is the Dukes of Hazard car, same car, same body style, but yellow with a black vinyl top, and uh, he just, he loves these cars. He, he every now and again, will just kind of go along and stroke his finger upon his cars and look at him. He never drives him hardly ever. And uh, he, uh, he loves um, when I call him, my dad. And so sometimes I, I get in trouble and I call him while he's at work and he, he does this. He says, hey, hey, talk to my, talk to my coworker for just a second, Joshua, and, and just tell him about what you're doing in Boston. And he gets so excited. He puts an, uh, some random coworkers put in this awkward position. I'm put in this awkward position, but he's just so proud of me and he just wants me to, me to talk to his, his friends. And that's, that's my, my dad. And so uh, he, he's just a great guy, kind of a gearhead. So uh, a few years ago, uh, one of our own here at the church, you know her, her name is Sindel, calls me up, and she says, uh, Josh, I'm pulled over on the side of the road, and my car is, is just messed up. The, the steering column barely turning. Can you come over here and, and help me? And listen, I know nothing about cars. I mean, I'm just an imbecile when it comes to cars. But I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll come, I'll come help you. Yeah, I'll figure, I'll figure something out. And I, I get over there, and uh, when I get there, she says, you know, it's the, the, I can't get the, the wheel turned. You know, it's, it's really hard. It's probably the power steering fluid. I'm like, definitely power steering. Yep, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. And so I said, I'll go to the store, and I'll get some power steering fluid. And I went to the store, got some power steering fluid, and I, I came back, and, and uh, she was like, we should probably put that in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. We should put, put it in. And so we popped the, the hood, and I, I said, you just stay in the car, and she's in the car warming, and uh, pops the hood, and I'm in front of the hood, and she's on the other side of the hood, you know, in the, in, inside the car, and I'm looking around. I have no idea where to put the thing. I mean, no idea. I, I, I mean, I'm lucky I didn't put it in the wiper fluid or something. I'm just staring, and uh, I get on my cell phone, and I call my dad. 
and I'm, she doesn't see me through the hood. I'm like, hey, Dad. <laughs> um, so I'm here helping this girl, and I don't have a clue where to put the, the power steering fluid. Help me out here. He goes, okay, what, what's the make? What's the model? And he says, okay, it's going to probably be over here. Look here, under here. And I pour the, the, the power steering fluid in, and uh, it works. And I shut the phone. I said, I think we're good. And I, How's it going? Good. And, and I got all the credit. It was, it was pretty cool. And uh, listen, my dad loved that I called him. I mean, he loved that I called him. I'm a, I'm a grown man now, but he was pumped to help me out. He was like, yeah, I get to, I get to help my son with, with something. Now, my dad could have easily said, Josh, are you serious right now? You're 30 years old. You know, you're, you're, I walked with, with, car, walked with you through, you know, the, the anatomy of a vehicle when you were younger. Were you not listening? Do you not get it? And he could have just been like, seriously? Come on, figure it out. It's right there in front of you, son. But no, instead, he was like all excited. I needed him. I called upon him, and he was thrilled. Yeah, okay, do this. Hey, buddy, go over here, check this out. He was thrilled. Now, that's the picture that we get here with our God in Zephaniah chapter 3, that that we see that that our God is is thrilled that we, we need his help. And the way we need his help initially is to be rescued from the grip of Satan, sin, and death because we've all been trapped in it because we're all sinful, the Bible says. And the wage of sin is death. And so God is thrilled initially to pull us out by us calling on him and trusting what Christ has done. But he's also thrilled, those of you who would say, I'm a a Christian in here, I'm following the Lord. He's thrilled to continue to help us as we confess our sin to him, as we we repent of our sin, as we deal with our, our sin and as we move forward. He doesn't say, are you serious? We're here again? Don't talk to me. Come on. No, instead, he's thrilled to help us. He's, he's glad to do so. Psalm 147, 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in him, in his, his steadfast love. That we understand that he's capable, that he's able, that we, we call on him, that we know that he is mighty to save, that he's mighty to take care of the engine and get us running again in our lives, and that we would hope in his love for us, that we can call upon him at any given time and not be ashamed, God, I'm sorry, I'm back again. But no, God, I'm, I'm going to rush back to you because I know that you love me. It's that picture that's been ringing in my head for the past few months of the, the parable of the prodigal son. If I were the prodigal son, I, I couldn't imagine coming back to my father. You know the parable? Took all his money, blew it all, and then was in complete and utter despair. He says, the only place I have to go is my father, and he comes back, and the father doesn't say, you kidding me? Get out of here. What does he do? He pulls up his robe, he runs to him, he jumps on him and hugs him and falls to the ground just hugging him like a lion with his cub. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then he throws a party. And that's the image that God wants us to see of our coming to him. God is not about shame. God is about, I love you and I'm so thrilled to rescue you. I love you to rescue you. It's my joy to serve you. It's not a burden. Now, I think about my own three children, and it just gets really, really, really practical. I understand my father's love for me, but when it becomes your own, for your own children, it's a whole other other thing. And I, it's funny, 
I find myself getting excited about things that I would have never imagined that I would get excited about when I grow up, you know. And uh, so, for example, uh, my wife and I, you know, over the past three kids, we've had pep rallies in the bathroom for potty training, you know. And so they're, they're doing their business, and we're, yeah, I mean, authentically thrilled for them. And Nora's, Nora's thing right now is, Daddy, I'm peeing. And she just screams it across the house and say, yeah, you're doing it. She's just so proud of herself. And it's, it's not me being a goon. I, I authentically am excited for her. Like, yes, no more diapers. It's going to be great for the budget. It's going to be awesome. And yes, you're peeing. It's, it's wonderful. And they love to show off, too. I remember my, my Luca man, he's the middle guy. He's five years old. But I remember when he was, he was like two or three years old, he would do this thing, and he would lay on the ground. And he would say, Daddy, Daddy, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He'd lay on the ground. And he would roll over. I said, that's it? <laughs> and we go, that's awesome. And I, again, I would authentically be really excited for him. I, I didn't say, seriously? You think that's cool? For real? You know what's cool? When daddy does a one and a half flip off the dime board. That's cool. This is lame. I don't do that, do I? No, I love my kid. I get excited about what gets him excited. I get excited about the fact that he's full of joy in coming to me, and that's how our, our Father is for us, God, our, our Father. He's, he's excited for you to come to Him. He's excited for you to, to have victories before Him. He doesn't say, are you serious? You see Jesus? That's lame. Jesus brought Lazarus from the dead. Your little victory in your life? He doesn't do that. He gets excited. He delights over you. He takes pleasure in you. That's our God. He wants our joy to be coming to him and relating with him and he with us. My oldest son, Isaiah, when he was a little man, he would do this. He'd flex his muscles and he'd go, check out these babies. <laughs> That's the cool thing about having such a young church and having young kids that you guys teach them all these tricks and stuff. And somebody taught that to my son and that became his thing. Check out these babies. And he'd do that right there. And again, I could have gone check out these babies, because I can bench a lot more than you can bench. But instead, I said, that's hysterical. And I said, hey, we go, we go visit my family. I said, hey, do the thing, buddy, do the thing. Check out these babies. It was my joy. It was my joy. I loved that. I delight in that. I delight in my kid being cute and funny and, and having victories, and that's our God, right? We're tiny in comparison to him. This image of God's proverbial hands. You know, he's, he's so huge. Compared to us, is, he's so beyond us. He should not be impressed with anything that we do. Yet, somehow the image of this massive God entering into this and delighting in us and taking pleasure in us is, is spectacular. He's, he's our, our father. And like I said, I just wanted this morning big snow day, a lot of people out of town, just to be a little bit more intimate. And I just wanted to kind of give you that thought, um, let you chew on it a little bit, hopefully leave encouraged. But Christians in the room, let me, let me just say this, that God wants to be incorporated into your everyday life, that he's not just your Sunday God. He's not just your, your, that one moment in your life when you turn from sin and begin to follow him and became a Christian God. He's your everyday God. He wants to be deeply involved with you, and he wants to say, yeah, check out those babies. Look, look at this life that they're living. He wants to celebrate with you the victories. He wants to be strong, the one you call on in the struggles. 
That's our God every day right there with you. And he takes pleasure in that. He's not annoyed when you talk to him, when you come to him frustrated, when you come to him confused, when you come to him excited about something that's maybe lame comparatively to raising Lazarus from the dead. He's not annoyed. He takes pleasure in that. So Christians, incorporate him into your everyday life. And then if you're in here and you'd say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a I'm not a believer. I, I've not followed the Lord. Let me just be really clear about what the ultimate message of the Bible is. You start in Genesis, and God made mankind. He intended to have that loving, intimate relationship with mankind. And you may know the story of Adam and Eve, but we sin. And that sin, like a disease, infects all of humanity, and we all sin. You can't just blame it on them. We're, we're sinful today. It's very clear. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And we, we stop there and say, well, it's death. Yeah, death and death eternally. But the free gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. And so the, the scriptures are very clear that if you would trust in him, that you would fear him and see that he's mighty to save, he's able to save, and you would turn to him and trust in him and follow him, then you can have a relationship with that God who delights in you, that you can be his child. And when he talks in the scripture about dearly loved children, he now will be talking about you. When he talks in the scripture and says, I want you to pray to me as father, he's talking to you because you have feared him, you've seen his massiveness and how capable he is, and you've trusted in that. It's not just this acknowledgement, it's saying, I see that you do that, and that you're able, and I need that in my own life. And so I'm calling you to that as well. Christians in the room, incorporate him into your everyday life. Let him delight over you and take pleasure in you in every single area of your life. And you enjoy coming to him. And those who are in this room, you're not yet a Christian, you're not yet a follower of Jesus today, call on him. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Much like me calling up my dad and saying, I need help. That you would call upon him in prayer and say, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I recognize I'm stuck. We're not going anywhere because of my sin. But I know that you're the only one who can rescue me. And I'm turning from sin and I'm turning to you. I'm trusting in you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse it. Take it upon yourself on the cross. And he says, you'll be his child. You'll become a Christian. So those are the invitations twofold today. I don't know where you're at specifically, but you do. And I want to give you a moment to, to pray to God and just to, just to thank him for who he is and maybe some of you today to call on him for the first time. But let's pray. Father, we come to you just in awe of how big you are, how beyond us you are, how otherly you are. But yet that you would enter into humanity, become one of us, know what we know very well and intimately. God, I thank you so much that you are our father, should we trust in you. The Bible says you adopt us as sons and daughters. So God, I pray that for those in this room who have yet to, to be adopted into your family, that they would turn to you, they would call upon you, and you would say, yes, I want to help you, I'll take you in. And that you would delight in saving them. That you're not an angry God in heaven, that you are a loving, gracious God, who should we trust in you, you, you delight in saving us. I pray for people today to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And then communicate that.
I pray for Christians in this room to really take great joy in coming before you. To know that you love them and you want to hear from them in the dark times that many of our church family are experiencing right now and in the joyful times as well. And we'd be a people that, that Jesus and church and, and the gospel and the, the scriptures, it's not something that we just do once a week. It's kind of another extracurricular, but it would be who we are. You just infiltrate all of us, Lord. So do that work in us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are and who we are or who we can be in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.